0: Hi and welcome to Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And we are so glad that you're here with us. Pull up a chair, grab yourself a glass of tea, coffee, juice, sit down and be prepared to be entertained.
1: Be prepared for the force. I'm going to take this necklace off because every time I move it's clicking. It's jingling.
0: Yeah. We were going to start the podcast in a most (laughs) unusual way. Because we just had canvassers at my door. I live in a condo, and basically Julie needs a fucking requisition from Christ and a pint of blood before she can pass the threshold to get a parking pass. But then canvassers for the liberal government just showed up at my door. I'm like, how the fuck did they get in here? Yeah. <laughs> they get a free pass. So I told them I was recording and couldn't talk now and sent them away. And Julie said, you know, we could have been recording anything. So we were going to start the podcast today with... Sex scene, take two. And then I went,
1: ah, really loud.
0: (laughs) So I hope they're still in the hallway. Uh, Me too. (laughs) They're probably right outside the door now after that. It was much louder than that. I
1: know, but I didn't want to (laughs) scream into the mic.
0: (laughs) You didn't want the men listening to know how good you are at faking it. (laughs) That was award winning.
1: I'm vocal. What can I say? All right. Okay. We
0: have uh, another listener email, and we're very excited. We're always excited to get email, but I think, too, we forget to read some of them because it's been a while since we've gotten together, but uh, this is a fantastic email. We want to thank you, um, and this person said, I want to remain anonymous, so, hey, Anonymous, this is all about
1: you from Texas. Yes. Wait, no, that she's not from Texas. It was the other listener that I, was from Texas. Okay, all right. So who's, this, Where, where she So from? this person, whose name I'm not going to say on the air, um, she had a really great great question. Actually, she had two questions. Okay. One was, do you have family members that stress you out over normal life stuff? And she goes into a little bit of detail to talk about how, People in her family can be verbal assholes when you bring stuff up. And one of her reactions, which a lot of us do, is like, well, this is why I don't talk to you about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And she asked how to set boundaries. And for me, first of all, I love this question because it's just about life. It's not particularly around recovery and our life isn't particularly around any substance abuse anymore it's about real life stuff right and uh do i have family members that stress me out over normal life stuff uh yes but what has been important in setting boundaries is i think we get into recovery and we learn about boundaries and then it's like we're boundary nazis it's like we're setting boundaries left right and center and we're telling people what we think and how they should behave and i have learned that a boundary can be set just through behavior Right. Like, explain. I have family members um, that want to draw me into gossip, for example. And why are they doing this? And why are yep. they doing that? And can you believe And trying to draw me in? And my boundary has just been not to respond. So I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. And then I change the subject. Or I simply don't respond to a text or a voicemail. And eventually that person's not getting fed by what they need from me so they stop bringing it to me true amazing and so whether or not they realize it, i set a boundary that they now have to live with yeah and um
0: so my my mother was famous for doing this she would start most of her conversations with poor blank so fill in the name of any other sibling that wasn't me poor adam poor kathy Poor Mike, poor Kelly. And uh, and again, you know, then I would try to counsel for years. I was trying to counsel her like, well, maybe you should just not get involved in their life. Like let them live their own life. Here I was giving advice, giving counsel. And finally, again, through Alcoholics Anonymous and help from sponsorship, um, I learned to just disengage, like you said. So I would say, um, mom, that's not about me, so I really can't comment. And it would just end the conversation because yeah. she would say her little piece and I'd be like, well, maybe you should talk to that person about that. Or that's not about me, so I really can't comment. Yeah. I don't know what that person's thinking. And That's good. And it has shut it down. It, oh, yeah. It used to happen all the time and very rarely does it happen. And and consequently, I think because of that, she learned something and she's grown because she does or. She just, just brings it to other people. She doesn't bring it to me anymore. I never hear about those things
1: anymore. So Well, you don't help her feed the fire. Right. Like that, for me, applies to so many things in life. What you feed grows. You mm-hmm. want a relationship to thrive? Feed it. You want something to die out? Stop feeding it. Yeah.
0: Like that story about the two wolves, the anger or the love. Which yes. one are you going to feed? If you feed the, the anger wolf, it's going to grow and you're going to be an angry person. Feed the, the wolf of love, then that one's going to grow.
1: Yeah, and expecting people to change. I mean, in recovery, we see change in uh, huge waves. Like it's an old dog, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, has not been in the rooms of recovery. Mm -mm. But outside of recovery, there's not a lot of, and I'm talking recovery from, it could be anything, shopping, anger. Like when I say recovery, I mean people that want to work to do different and be different and live differently. If you're going to throw down something like, why do you always react like that? Or "I don't, whenever you bring this up, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. You're asking something of someone that's beyond their capabilities. And I think understanding what is possible in a certain situation, understanding what someone's capable of is a key to understanding what you can and cannot bring to them. Mm-hmm. Like I know with certain people in my life, I cannot expect a... Um, An equal amount of effort in terms of getting together in in a relationship for example so I stopped bringing um, invitations to them Mm -hmm. like these people over here they want to go to the cottage every weekend that's their priority all summer so I just don't ask them to get together in the summertime right because I know I'm gonna be disappointed and I'm gonna be mad and it's gonna affect my relationship you don't feel the need to point that out to them and say No, I mean... I don't invite you
0: anymore because all you ever do is go to your cottage and you never have time for me and that hurts my feelings.
1: Right. Right. (laughs) Or like on Mother's Day, I asked my brother to... um, come over and he was all for it and then when the day hit there was a basketball game and he had planned to go to this basketball game so he could only give us 3 hours and in my mind I was furious I'm like are you kidding me it's mother's day and mom gets 3 hours did I say that no because that's none of my business that's between him and my mom right. he's the one that ultimately suffers with broken family relationships or not being close enough to people and that's a decision he has made for himself that his priority for whatever reason, is basketball games and baseball games. And that's up to him. It's not up to me. What I have a right to say is, I'm so disappointed I was so looking forward to seeing you. But I don't have a right to be like, are you serious, dude? You Mm. said you were coming. Like, I don't, I'm already the self-righteous one in the family. (laughs) And I already have that label. Like, I don't need to be making it any worse. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's good. It's, and in sobriety, I think I, I've learned a lot about uh, the difference between telling people, just because you, you use a, a statement that starts with, I feel, like they teach you in therapy, mm. you know, use I statements. Uh, well, no, that doesn't always work. And that's me imposing my thoughts and my feelings on another human being. And um, you're not responsible for my happiness. Mm-hmm. You're not responsible for my ease and comfort. And again, that's where, you know, learning to set boundaries comes in. Um, If we, if I'm hanging out with somebody and I don't like the way they behave um, when we're out in public, um, then maybe I I don't go out in public with that person. Um, Like I I used to have a friend who uh, it became very clear to me that I could not go to a restaurant with this person because they treated waitstaff terribly. And, uh, I tried to uh, lead by example, but still I didn't see any change happening and it's not my job to educate that person or to change them. So I don't go out to dinner with that person anymore because I couldn't bear to be, you know, we'd leave and I'd go back and, oh, I forgot something and run in and give the waiter 20 bucks. Like, <laughs> cause was so embarrassed. Yeah. Here, you did great. Sorry about my friend. Then <laughs> like, go back out to the car. Ridiculous. But yeah. Learning to uh, set boundaries by maybe sometimes abstaining. But we don't need to tell people how we feel all the time. But that's something that's come from years of work and years of sobriety. So when you're yeah. early in recovery, you're, you're still dealing with all the feels, all the hurts. Yeah. You know, and um, and there's no, um, our spirit uh, used to be spirits. Our way to deal with hurt feelings would be drink over it. And so now we're not doing that. So now we're left with all these shitty feelings. Well, that doesn't feel good. And sobriety won't last long if you don't do any internal work on that.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay. And part of that work too. um, Well, first of all, a wall and a boundary are two different things. Like a boundary keeps Mm. you safe and walls keep people out. And I think we have to make the distinction between the two. Um, Yeah. But we can't also be like when you were talking about I feel. Mm -hmm. We may feel hurt and the other person may feel hurt. Or we may feel like we can't tolerate something and the other person's like, I'm not changing. And the last thing, the least helpful thing is to be like a child and be like, well, I'm not getting my way, so. And then we react. Yeah. Hopefully it's like, okay, so we're at a standoff. Where can we compromise with how this is going to go yeah. what's more important me being right or me preserving this friendship yeah so we're always making decisions and i think because we have more tools we have more responsibility
0: mm-hmm. that's good
1: yeah okay so the second part of her question since we have time to get into it was oh were you based were you raised in a fear-based mentality
0: Mm -hmm. um i was raised in with a fear-based mentality of if i didn't do the right thing make the right choices do what my mother wished my mother wanted to be the perfect little girl um then i wouldn't get love and i saw in very clear and definite ways that if i didn't wear the dress that was chosen for me
1: can you imagine (laughs) me in a dress no i know right No. Uh, If I didn't... I like you in your three-piece suit, by the way. Thank you. That's my favorite outfit of yours. Thank you so much. And your glasses.
0: And it fits me now, again. Yes. My vest, my wedding vest. Skinny pants. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so she would, like... Uh, do you want to go shopping? And I learned, no, I don't want to go shopping with you because you're going to try to force me to buy things that you want me to wear, that you want to see me in. And those things aren't me and I don't like them. And then I'm going to hear things like, why do you want to dress like a man? Why are you always acting like a boy? And it's not going to be a fun event. So I would stop going. Hmm. Well, then I'd get the silent treatment or I'd get anger. So definitely for me, I was definitely raised in that type of environment. Yeah. Yeah. Not, um, not a violent environment, I mean, there was yelling, but it wasn't a physically violent environment. So not that type of fear, but an emotional-based
1: fear. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I don't know if I've ever discussed the enneagram with you, but you're such a Type One, and I don't want to like label you. <laughs> But there's a childhood pattern to each type on the Enneagram and there's a way of behavior. Like once you study any model enough, you when you get to know the people around you, you just have a tendency to sort of try and figure them out. Mm-hmm. And part of the one's childhood message is you're not good or okay unless you're doing the right thing which then leads to a a one in life always trying to be the good little girl or the good little boy Mm -hmm. and if I just do the right thing. But it also goes outwards to other people, which is expectations that you need to do the right thing in the right way. And if you get punished for it, it's not because um, of any other reason other than you didn't do the right thing. And so, like, which can also lead to you punishing yourself if you're beating yourself up. And mm-hmm. it's a really cool sort of psycho-spiritual personality model. And I've always thought that you were one, but as soon as you explained your childhood pattern, I'm like, oh my God, she's that a <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh,
0: is that different than type A? The one is the
1: reformer. Think... Okay. They, want, they like that they're comfortable with reforming things or changing things to fit what's right and what should be done. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Yeah. That sounds like me. Yeah. yeah. And then a one out of stress is like easy going, and they'll forget things like passports on to go to the trip. Like stuff they're usually really militant about falls to the side, and they're like, they're easy to be around. Everybody yeah. loves them. And like all of the sort of rigidity and rules falls away. And I mean, there's different levels, but mm-hmm. yeah. What type are you? I'm a six, so I'm the loyalist yeah um i have a i have a dichotomous personality like i'll be happy and then i'll be sad um i'm suspicious of people yeah um and then you have you know different levels of healthy and non-healthy whatever but for all the enneagram lovers out there i'm pretty sure lisa's a one and i'm a six all
0: right i'm i did change a lot too like uh to try to fit into groups so like in high school yeah um as i went through grade school i was really shy and really timid And kind of a loner and a recluse and introverted. And I moved around a lot. And then I moved again just before high school. And it was like a decision was made. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be alone anymore. I'm going to be outgoing. And I changed. Wow. And I became outgoing. Wow. And I made friends. And That's amazing. And I was, I think maybe too, because I hadn't grown up um, with a clique. I hadn't grown up through those grades. I was then not really a part of any one group. I was a part of all the groups, Mm -hmm. and I went on students council, and I was on sports, and I was in the drama club, and so I just went everywhere. That's a
1: huge course correct in terms of personality and how you navigate the world. Analyze (laughs) that! We thought we should change the name of the show. Two Sober Chicks, Analyze That. Analyze That. Yeah. All right. We got off topic there. Um, so were you, uh, yeah, my base? dad was a rageaholic. I was oh. constantly fearful that he was never physically violent with us, but he liked to break things and punch things and slam his fists on the table and rage would just come over him and you're a kid. So yeah. you're like, when's that going to come towards me? Yeah. So I grew up very fearful of, um, authority figures. Um, very, I think you grew up, I, I think in the same way where you're, um, You're always measuring people, like looking at them and what's the tell in them that I'm going to see when they're going to go off, like not trusting my environment, Mm -hmm. constantly gauging. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, mom and dad.
0: I freak Ashley out sometimes. We'll be in a place somewhere and I'll be like. That guy looks like he's a gun carrier. <laughs> <laughs> if anything goes down, I got my eye on that guy.
1: <laughs> Where's all the exits in this place? <laughs> That's right. Writing down license plate numbers just in case. He's extremely odd. <laughs> he's behaving oddly. I think, as people in recovery across the board, we're hypersensitive to other people's, how they present their energies, their words, their thoughts. We're super sensitive, I find. We're very sensitive. I find
0: almost all the alcoholics I know, one of the biggest problems that they have is that sensitivity. You know, um, we're easily hurt, easily triggered, easily hooked. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, We like to get things our own way. One of the things I've learned to ask myself a lot is, what's my motive for this, you know? Um, if I'm going to go to somebody and tell them something, or I feel like I should let my bosses know that they've been treating me inappropriately, what's my motive in this? And how do I think that's going to play out? And do I really think that I'm going to change anybody or am I going to make the situation worse? Yeah. So thank God I've learned to ask myself some of those questions because headstrong Lisa would just do that. I would reform people.
1: Well, the big book tells us restraint of pen and tongue oh. is a powerful thing, right? Like, I don't so know powerful. my motive in the moment. I just know I'm fucking mad and I'm going to smash that person's face in, yes. <laughs> right? Or yeah. I'm really upset about this text or email, so I'm going to respond immediately. Yeah. And then, you know, oh. give it a day, give it an hour, talk how to many, your sponsor, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't do that.
0: How many destroyed
1: uh,
0: or ruined or hurt friendships, relationships did you, I know I caused a lot through email or before text was a big thing it was email responding right away to an email in anger in heat Um, and i'd heard that restraint of pen and tongue theory before but i'd never put it into practice so and there was one third part to this uh lady's email did you tell me where she was from
1: not texas no i don't know where she's from okay all right but she is awesome And she's got about a year and a half of sobriety. So keep on going, sister. Mm -hmm. You got this. And we were speaking
0: about one of the things she talked about was families and, um, you know, do they do anything to upset you or piss you off? There was a time when I couldn't go to a certain family function if a certain family member was there. So I used to, and then if I did go, I'd be irritated or bothered or sad or, you know, disrupted if that person was there. And that went on for a long time. So again, not being able to change other people, I had to learn how to be able to deal with that and I had to change myself. And I learned to do that through forgiveness. I forgave this other person for something that had happened between us in the past. And in that act of forgiveness, um, all of a sudden they had no power over me anymore. And I could go to family functions and say hello and then move on. Yeah. And it's fine. That's freedom. That's, that's hard. Yeah.
1: That's, that's hard won.
0: That took like 15 years of work. Yeah. So it was hard won.
1: Well, you deserve the victory over that. Thank you. Was you there welcome. another
0: th- third part to that?
1: No. Nope. Or did we cover it all? We covered it all. Perfect. And if you are not satisfied, Anonymous, with that, please email us back and redirect us into mm-hmm. what you were hoping for a discussion on. Or if anything that we said
0: sparked another thought or another question, always feel free to e- email us at the number two, sober chicks at gmail.com. So it's all one word two sober chicks at gmail.com. You can find, uh, are they called memes? Your little photos on I don't Instagram? know what those things are called. Gifts? I don't know. Anyway, beautiful posts. images and posts, um, that Julie does on Instagram and uh, we're also on Twitter and Facebook, where basically we just tell you about our podcast.
1: Yeah, if you need to reach us, we are reachable on all those platforms. So if one fails, try the next. The other one. Yeah.
0: We are Julie and Lisa on Two Sober Chicks. Thanks a lot for joining us. Bye.